We have witnessed and felt a lot of death recently, haven't we? Even yesterday, I was asked to come to a dying man's home and speak to him about heaven. And when someone close to us dies, wouldn't it be a privilege to know their last thoughts, their desires, their joys in this life? One of the most unforgettable funerals that I ever attended several years ago, a well-known businessman in our community, was highly spoken of, strong Christian believer. And at the end of the service, the pastor got up and said, and now Jim would like to have a final word. And I've changed the name for protection. Jim was the deceased. And we're all wondering, is this going to be a recording or, or what? A giant screen came down. And here was Jim, bigger than life. And he said, I want to thank all of you for coming here today. I thought it was such an august occasion that I should say a few words. <laughs> that was typical of Jim. And he said, I appreciate everything that's been said about me, but here's what I want you to walk away with. I want to tell you seven things that God did to change my life. And you could have heard a pin drop. You could hear the teardrops falling into pews. This man giving glory to God to his very last moment. In essence, this is what Jesus did on his last night. He took these friends that he loved to a private place, just them, and he wanted to teach them some very important lessons, reveal to them even deeper some of the truths that had been discussed over the years. He wanted to inform them, encourage them, warn them, bless them, and pray for them. In chapter 13 that Robbie gave us on Monday, he demonstrated to them, you might say, the reason that he had chosen them, and that was he'd chosen them to be servants, his servants, to love and to love each other and to serve him in such a way that the world would notice. Chapter 14, Sam spoke yesterday. He wanted them to know that he was going away, but that he wasn't going to leave them. He wasn't going to provide them without a way to know him and that he would be coming back for them. And if there had been time to finish the chapter, he begins just revealing to them that they will not be alone, but the Holy Spirit will be with them and teach them, remind them of all the words that he had discussed with them. In chapter 15 that we look at today, he's going to share with them, how do you live without my physical presence in this world? Tomorrow, Ron 
will look more deeply at the Holy Spirit for us because they needed to know how much the Holy Spirit was going to be important to every aspect of their life. And then finally, Matt, on Friday, will cover his great prayer. How much he loved them. So our passage today, chapter 15, let's stand and we will read the first 11 verses. I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This chapter, which is the center chapters of these that we're covering for this week, really is the, the core, the center of what it means to live by faith without the presence of Jesus and how we thrive. He begins with the seventh of the last great revelations that John is known for, the I am statements. He's already told them, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection of, and life. I am the true living way. And here now I am the true vine. Why was this so important for them to know? To reveal himself this way as the true vine. You see, just as in the country that we live in, if I mention the term the stars and stripes, you immediately know what I'm talking about. You know I'm talking about our flag, right? And to Israel, whenever the vine was mentioned, Israel always clearly understood they were God's 
chosen choice vine. He says in, um, in, in the scriptures, I took you out of Egypt and planted you as a nation to be my choice vine. He says in Isaiah 5, the Lord sings of his beloved vineyard and he tenderly cares for them. Ezekiel is probably the extended passages about the vine. Jeremiah speaks of it. Hosea speaks of it. They fully understood whenever a vine was mentioned, it was about God's choice of Israel. And yet in all of these references, Jesus, the Lord, the scriptures always, he chastens them for their lack of fruit. And this is why he says now, I am the true vine. I, I am the real vine. I am the vine, not you. I am the vine. And only in me will you ever bear fruit. The Father, he says, is the gardener, the vine dresser. We don't spend much time on that. But for those of you that know anything about vineyards, and I'm certainly no expert, know that the vine dresser is extremely important for the health of the fruit. He's the one that lifts up the fruit. When it says he takes away, it means he literally lifts up the fruit off the ground so it won't rot. He's the one that ties it up and gets it into sunlight so it will grow and be more fruitful. He's the one that pulls the dead leaves off and breaks off the little branches that are not doing anything. He's the one that wipes away the insects and wipes off the mold that could be there or the pollen dust from other things. He cleans it. It is a very precise work. And he said, this is the work my father does. For each one of you, so that you will be more fruitful. And then nine times in this little passage, he gives the reason why it is so important, the most important truth for them to understand was not just that he was divine, but in order for them to be able to live because he's going to go away, they must abide in him, the vine. This is the metaphor that he's using. Nine times he says this. You must stay continually connected to me even though you can't see me. And that is done by the work of the Holy Spirit, which he's going to talk more about. And Scripture will lead us to more understanding about it as well. This was their part. This was their role. Abide. Remain. Don't worry that you can't see me. Know that I'm here. And he's actually referring back to what he said in chapter 13 when he says, and I, the Father and I will come and make our abode with you or in you. And so he's expanding on that understanding for them. What does it mean then to abide? He reveals three things. First, 
He says, you must continue the flow of the thinking of God in your life. This is what he means by abide in my word. Why do we read the scripture? Well, we can say, well, it's God's truth. Yes, it is God's truth. It has power. Yes, it has power. But the most important reason that we continually to go through the scriptures is so that we will learn to think like God thinks. We will learn to see life the way God sees life. See, how did Job see life? How did Jeremiah see life when his city was destroyed in front of his eyes? How does Paul see life when he killed those whom Jesus came to save? What does he do with that now? You see, the scriptures give us the mindset of God. And he said, unless you abide in the word, you're not going to know how God thinks. Which is what leads to the second benefit. And that is, keep mindful that constant communication and prayer, telling God what you need in order to live whatever befalls you in life, the Father is happy to provide it. This isn't a prayer that just says, I can ask Him for anything. No, it follows the fact that you've been abiding in the Word, and therefore you're thinking like God thinks about your situation. So that you have a child that dies. <laughs> I still feel what Chad feels. It's losing a child like that. How do you handle that? Only by being able to ask God to provide what you need to walk through it, you see? And so Jesus says, abide in my word, and then you can ask for whatever you need, and it will be there. Because he trusts, now you know what to ask for. Thirdly, he says, reminding them, remind ourselves that it is his love for us, that it's the same love that the Father has for him. How does the Father love Jesus? With a love we can't grasp, right? I mean, it's so big. It's so deep. It's so wide. It's so amazing. It's so infinite. And he loves him with that kind of love. And he says, that's the kind of love I have for you. The same love that the Father has for me. And I want you to abide, stay, remain in that love. Be reminded of that love. That's what this week is all about. That's what the church calendar every year comes around to Advent and the birth of Christ, and then comes around to Lent and the Easter and providing up for it, Pentecost. All of these things are to continually to remind us of the love of Christ for us. 
And he says, you're not going to make it, my children, in this world unless you keep that in your mind. How much, how much I love you. And then he says there are two amazing results of abiding. He says, you will be amazed at how fruitful your life will become. When you abide in me, there will be things that will happen in your life that you will have to say, only God could have done that. And of course, this this comes together later in the scriptures, as Paul tells us in Galatians 5, the, the fruits that God will provide in your life. He'll give you love when you don't feel it. He'll give you joy when you're under the hardest of circumstances. He'll give you peace that's beyond understanding. And all of those nine fruits that are there are describing the great deep fruitfulness He wants you to have internally. And of course, he's speaking of the fruit of witness as well. You will be amazed at the fruitfulness because the Father wants you to bear much fruit. And you are proving to be his disciples in that way. And thirdly, lastly, your heart will have a constant flow of joy. It will be the overflow of the everflow. That joy will be abundantly yours. It'll be joy that's in the midst of your successes with him and in life, your pains in life, your fun in life, your fellowship in life. The joy will flow because you've abided in me. Abiding helps us to resist temptation. It helps us to not be ruled by anxiety. It helps us to strengthen us against spiritual battles. It gives us wisdom for all of the decisions we make in life. And that's what Jesus wanted them to know and wants us to know as well. Let's pray. Great Father, thank you that we are tied to a source that is an everflow of strength and hope and love and joy. And help us, Lord, to grow more deeply attached to who you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.